right. I'm gonna start screaming. Okay, go for it. Test, test. All right. Hey, well, thank you everyone uh, for coming back to hang out with us. Uh, we obviously had some technical difficulties with our sound, our audio, uh, but we got some great people helping us out. And so here we are again. Uh, we are doing a Good Friday service, take two. Uh, so welcome. Just so glad you're here, taking the time out. And even if you're watching this, maybe later on this evening, we're just glad that we're able to serve you, um, our church body, and our community by celebrating with you uh, the fact that God put on human flesh and on this day, we are celebrating the fact that that person, the person of Jesus, put on human flesh, he walked among us, and then he willfully and purposefully laid down his life for me and you. And that's what we want to celebrate today um, as Good Friday. So before we worship, I'm going to read you this psalm, and it's just an invitation to sing with us this afternoon. I know that maybe some of you guys started doing chores and you're doing other things, but hey, let's just put that down. And take this moment to celebrate, whether it's right now at 1.45 or maybe it's later this evening with family at 7 o'clock this evening or something. Um, let's just stop what we're doing and let's celebrate, let's sing together uh, our risen Savior. So I'm going to read you Psalm 100 and it says this. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. And so now let's get ready to worship the Lord this evening. Here's Brian to lead us in prayer and in worship. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much. Uh, we get to do this again. What a blessing that is for me, God. I get to, I get to worship you again. Um, God, I long for the day when we all together um, are in this restored world, can sing to you with no struggle of a dual nature. God, where everything is the way it was always intended to be. Father, we pray now that you would be glorified in the service. We pray that you would reach down into our hearts and put truth there. Break through walls, break through barriers that we, some of us, have spent our life constructing. You are great and greatly to be praised, and we want to do that this afternoon. In your name we pray. Amen. For the reason one is all we 
nothing good in me You are love, you are love On display for all to see You are light, you light When the darkness closes in You are hope, you are hope You have covered all my sin You are peace, you are peace When my fear is crippling You are true, you are true Even in my wandering You are joy, you are joy You're the reason that I sing You are life, you are life And death has lost its sting I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms The riches of your love will always be enough Nothing compares to your embrace Light of the world forever reign You are more, you are more than my words Just, I, man, I long 
I long for the day where I physically embrace him. But until that time, I just continue to ask that God softens my heart and helps me to draw into what I do have available, which is the word, to be led by the spirit. So this song blesses you. Jesus, draw me close, close ask that you would be glorified, that you would work in our hearts the rest of this afternoon. In your name we pray, amen. So it looks like we are going to make a couple of quick changes. Um, so I just want to remind you guys that Sunday morning will be our Easter service. It's at 10 o'clock. Um, we're excited for the message. We're excited for you guys to worship with us, and, and while we are not together um, physically, we know that God is doing a work. We know that God is going to use this time of isolation to draw us closer to Him, um, but I think, too, we're going to find that we are going to desire each other's presence as never before. Um, so we're going to be right back. Uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back, and we're going to fix a couple things.
right. Well, we're glad that you're here. Again, we've had a rough morning, just to be honest, but again, it's good. I just think that the Lord is obviously teaching a lot of us a lot of new things. And um, you know what? It's just life is different right now. And again, even, even as I look out at this room and I look at all the, the stacked chairs, I... I mean, I, I, I look at the tables, and there's boxes, and there's cables all over the ground. Um, there are definitely elements of doing this where it's a lot of fun, uh, but you know what? I'm not used to it, and I don't want to get used to it, because I just, uh, I just look forward to the time when, we, when I'm standing here from behind a pulpit or a table, um, when I can just see your faces. When I can actually see your faces and, 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 and see the smiles, and even right now, I am missing, this might be weird for a preacher to say, but I am missing uh, the people that kind of do this in church at times. Or you look over and you see people kind of looking at you like, what, what, what did he just, you know, those kind of those weird, I miss that. I love the amens and preach it, brother, which... Kind of happens every now and then here in this fellowship, uh, but I miss that. But you know what? Here's the reality. We can still celebrate. We can still celebrate together, and although the format, the platform is definitely different, we can still celebrate. Why? Because today, today is Good Friday. Today is Friday, and so no matter how you feel, no matter what you're going through, no matter what our governor says, no matter what our president says, it's still Good Friday because we worship, we follow someone's authority that goes further back than an election, further back than the creation of the United States of America, further back than the founding of this land. It goes back to the beginning of time when God hovered over the planet. And by His Spirit, He said, let there be light, and there was light. And then God created the universe, and, and the animals, and the plants, and so forth. And then, He created man in His own image. And we are under His authority in the sense that when God... And this always blows me away about the creation story. It's something that just, I don't ever get used to. It just still fascinates me, and just makes me in awe of God. And that all of creation, He created all of creation, right... And he just spoke and they were alive and they were and they moved and, and they roamed the earth. But with mankind, mankind, he created, he formed out of the dust of the earth. But then the wording there is that he stooped down and he breathed into man and man became a living being. How awesome and amazing is our God that God would do that. That would with all other creation, he would speak it and, it and it was alive. But with us, if we can wrap our minds around that picture that if God, before Christ Jesus, was incarnated here on earth, the word picture is that he stooped down and he breathed into us. And so we are under the authority. We have been wonderfully made by God. And today we celebrate that that same God who created us, who breathed life in us, was even in those days ahead, even within days of creation, was, was putting a plan into motion to rescue mankind because although we were made in His creation, we still fell. And yet God still loved us. He loved us so much that He was willing to be patient and allow creation to, to continue and to grow all the while knowing that He would send His Son and that his son would grow to become a man. And that this man would grow to die for you and for me. So we can still celebrate Good Friday. And it is good because that's just part of the story. Sunday is still coming. Look, this is from the Baltimore Catechism from 1960. right? And they have this in their booklet uh, in reference to what Good Friday is about. Because in some of us, we can say, well... What is so good about Good Friday? Right? It's the day that Jesus, the Son of God, was humiliated. It was the day that He was scourged and that He was beaten. And yet, it is good because here's what it says, right? 
not because it was TGIF, not because it's Thank God It's Friday, but because it's good, because God is good, and this is what they say, we can celebrate Good Friday because Christ showed His great love for man and purchased for Him, us, every blessing. It's good because God's plan of redemption that began in creation was finally being unfolded for you and for me. So it is good. It is good. And so this Good Friday, we are going to celebrate this fact. We're going to celebrate Good Friday in this moment. And there's going to be three things that we're going to look at this afternoon. One, and, and my message is titled, if you haven't noticed already, we've got the sign up above and even behind me, it is finished because that is the phrase that has just been plaguing my heart and my mind, not in a bad way, but in a good way of just wrestling and thinking about this thing. It is finished. And so the title of today's message, obviously, is It Is Finished. And there's three things that we're going to look at. One, I am Judas, I am Barabbas, and I am free. I am free. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew 26. Matthew chapter 26. We're going to look at verse 20 through 25 for the first point, I am Judas. And again, some of that even sounds weird to some of us. Or maybe if you're new to church or you grew up in kind of a religion, I mean, we know that Judas is kind of the bad guy. He's, he's the, the, the one of the 12, the followers of Jesus, um, who was sent out by Jesus even at times to perform miracles. This Judas Iscariot, right? Um, he is one that will go down in history as the betrayer. And really our study this morning, our celebration starts with this story here in Matthew 26, verse 20 to 25. And look what it says here. So it says, when evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. And now as they were eating, he said, assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. And each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And he said to him, you have said it. You know, this is probably one of my favorite, you know, parts of this narrative in, in the Good Friday messages, which is, you know, recorded in all the Gospels, but especially this interaction between Judas and Iscariot. And how some of them, you know, they, in the other Gospels, you know, they're very like, you know, is it I? I hope it's not me. And, and, and it kind of just goes into the next part of the story. But here in Matthew, he really does single out that there's this conversation that happens between Jesus and Judas. There's this eye connection of communication where he comes around and Jesus is very frank with them, tells them, hey, one of you will betray me. Now, again, I can imagine the kind of feel that, that would create at this dinner, at this Last Supper that it's been traditionally known as. But in that moment, their eyes would connect and they, Judas, would look at it maybe just simply to be a part of the group to kind of chime in just as everyone else said it. You know, is it I expecting that Jesus would be like, oh, no, 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 you know, just like he's looking at everyone else. But Jesus was very direct with them, wasn't he? He looked at him and, he's, and, he's, and when Judas asked that, is it I, Jesus said, you have said it. Now, like many of you, we can look at that story and think like, man, thank God that I'm not like Judas. Or, and, and many too, in our church history, we've seen a retaliation of a group of people against the Jews because the Jews turned, they betrayed, Judas being a Jewish man, betrayed. And so we've seen even anti-Semitism because of that. And so we can look from afar with disgust and disdain. Man, I'm glad I'm not Judas. But here's the reality. Let's look really quickly at who Judas is. The word Judas or his name as a person, really his name, it means the traitor. Judas. 
betrayed. If you look at the verse there, you know, it says there, the Son of Man indeed goes as it was written of him, right? But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. The word simply means the traitor. Or, even more so, to deliver by treachery. So you're like, wow. How many of us have been treacherous at times? How many of us have been dishonest at times for personal gain? Because that's what's happening here with Judas. There's some deception that's happening there. Because we know from the other Gospels that he already made the plan. He had already gone to the temple and made a plan that, hey, I'm going to give you Jesus and what will you give me? And we know history, history tells us that it was 30 pieces of silver that Judas basically traded his life for in betraying Jesus. And we look at that in verse, even verse 22, just like the rest of the disciples. Lord, is, is it I? And I think a very innocent thing, and I think even in, in some regards, right, the disciples being honest, because I think just as they knew they were around greatness, they didn't yet realize that they weren't just around greatness. They were around goodness. They were around their Savior. And so rightly so. I am less than Jesus. And so they asked the question, Lord, is it I? But here's the reality. Like many of us, from that perspective, we think we're better than we really are. Is it I? Because there's still some level of goodness that we think. Now again, it's not to disgrace ourselves, or not to just point fingers at ourselves, just to kind of this, this self-defeating kind of way, but we're talking about the spiritual reality of who we are as human beings. And when we compare ourselves in the light of who Jesus is, man, we for sure can say, I am Judas. Because we're just like Judas. You know, when you think about it and you look at it in Romans, in the, in the, in the epistle to the Romans, Paul makes it very clear there for us, for all of us, for all mankind, regardless of who we are, regardless of where we've come from, regardless, regardless of our social status in life, rich or poor, black or white, legal or illegal, this applies to all mankind. In Romans chapter 3, verse 21, this is what Paul says, but now... The righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. Right? We have all fallen short. We are all like that in Judas. Because I got to believe Judas probably had good intentions like many of us do. I'm sure that he didn't start out by thinking like, hey, this is great. I'm going to answer the call to follow Jesus. And then at some point I'm going to get tired of it because the reality is Jesus is not who I expected him to be. And so, you know, I'm going to sell him off for 30 pieces of silver. I think like many of us, we have good intentions, but then we often fall short. And the reason why is because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I am Judas. Romans 5.12 says that. Right when you look at verse 23, you know, through there, you look and it says that he who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. Will betray me. Why? Because Paul says it once again in Romans chapter 5 verse 12 that we were born into sin. You can reference that, maybe look at it later, but it talks about how, how sin, as I was alluding to at the beginning of this message, that sin came into the world by Adam and Eve. They, they disobeyed God, and through them, that one act of disobedience, sin 
entered the world and thus we are all born of sin. We all have inherited the nature of the human race that was first given to us by Adam and Eve. And so it's not that like, okay, so Joe, man, you've grown up and you've done a lot of bad things. Man, you're, you're becoming a sinner, bro. No, it's not like that. I've sinned because I was born into it. It's who I am. It's a part of my nature. It goes deeper than just like, hey, uh, you know, I'm going to find myself a, a, a brunette, dark-haired wife because I want all my kids to be dark-haired and brunette. No, it's, you know, there's no manipulating things like that. You know? It's like we see in all these weird Jane Austen movies, like, you must marry rich, and all these young ladies, they've got this weird thing, like, we've got to marry this way and that way because it's going gonna, it's gonna to foster good breeding. No, it goes way beyond that. It goes into our DNA and to the very depths of who we are. And so we can say, I am Judas. Just like those words that, that haunt me as not again as I'm just trying to tear myself down, but just dealing with the reality of all my shortcomings. I, I could be Judas in that question, Lord, is it I? And the honest answer would be, yes. Yes, you have said it. But, but friend, listen, there's hope. Because I want to draw you to another character in this story that really brings us on this ladder of hope. Which brings us to our next, uh, our next point. I am Barabbas. I am Barabbas. Look at the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15. So the first thing was, I am Judas, but now I am Barabbas. Mark 15, verse 6, look what it says there. Now, you know, because here at this point, um, you know, we're going further along. We have this guy, Barabbas, who was a murderer. And we'll see that in a second. Let me just read that and then, and then you'll follow me, right? Because by this point, uh, um, right in the story, Jesus was taken away right after that. We know the great scene of the garden. He goes and, and he anguishes in prayer with the Father. Um, and, and he... He, he gives in, not gives in, really, I should say, correct me, please, forgive me. He obeys. He follows the will of the Father to follow the road of the cross. And so it brings him to this place where he's before Pilate. He's been scourged and he's been beaten and so forth. And he stands before the crowd. He stands before the crowd uh, in front of all these people. And look what happens here in verse 6. Now at the feast... He was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas who was chained with his fellow rebels, and they had committed murder in the rebellion. Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just as he had always done for them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? It's a question they put before the crowd. For he knew that the chief priest had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. And Pilate answered and said to them again, What then do you want me to do with him whom you call the king of the Jews? So they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said to them, Why, what evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, crucify him. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. So here you have this man, Barabbas, who really, as you look at verse 6 and 7, is a noted murderer and insurrectionist. This man had been pulled into prison because he was trying to start an insurrection against, insurrection against Rome. It was a capital offense worthy of death, worthy of beheading. He was a known murderer in that process, right? He was trying to overthrow and lead a rebellion, not through peace, not through, through sitting down and let's have, let's have a sit-in, but through violence and murder. This is the man. And so Pilate, in wanting to appease the crowds and wanting to win their favor, and I would imagine in some cases trying to keep them calm, 
And also be one who would say, hey, you know, we're trying to appease and trying to show us in a good light. Hey, there's this tradition. Here we have these, these prisoners before you. And so we're going to release one of them to show, you know, to show goodness to you, if you will, in a weird, warped way. And Jesus here was a part of that crowd there with Barabbas. And there, there's the custom. So he, Pilate, you know, he knew the real story, though. He knew what was going on. He wasn't dumb. He understood that the, that the Jews, the Pharisees there, were, were just trying to incite Jesus. They were jealous of his power and authority. They couldn't understand the miracles of who Jesus was. Right? He recognized that, right? In verse 8 and 10, Why? Right? But Pilate answered them and said, You know, do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Right? And here's this key verse. For he knew that the chief priest had handed him over because of envy. And so the crowds, obviously, they get stirred up. And they're like, no, crucify him, crucify. He's like, are you sure? Because I can't find any fault in this guy. Are you sure you want to do this? Crucify, crucify him. And so here, now we have this dilemma. They delivered Jesus to be crucified in the place of Barabbas. Do you understand what that means? Here is Jesus, who we know innocent, who the crowds knew, not these crowds that are yelling crucify, but the followers of Jesus, those who could see that this is God. There is something great here than us. They could see it. And yet they're putting and associating Jesus with a criminal, with a murderer. And now, here's the, here's the catch here on this. As they release Barabbas, and then decide to keep Jesus to scourge, basically for Jesus to take the place of Barabbas, what they're doing is they're saying, by, by legal, right? By legal standing, if you will, that Jesus is just as guilty as Barabbas. Barabbas, guilty, murderer, insurrectionist. Jesus, innocent, and we know the Son of God, holy. God's goodness in human form, being labeled, put with criminals. And so when you think about this, Jesus was to be crucified just as though he was Barabbas. And here's the reality. Just as though Jesus was the sinner, the guilty. See, what's really amazing about this is that that's what he did for you and me. Just like we can account ourselves as Judas, we can say, I am Judas, we can also say we are Barabbas. Because every one of us is guilty. Every one of us has, maybe not to that extent, the way Barabbas was. Many of us, we've avoided that sinful outcome or that consequence of our sin. Why? Because if we're honest with ourselves, for some of us, our sin just hasn't found us out yet. But we are Barabbas. Because we are guilty. And yet, you know, I, I just got to believe. And, and again, I have no theological standing on this. But just as I think about the goodness of God and His mercy and grace, it makes me wonder, are we going to see Barabbas in heaven one day? Are we, is he going to be noted among us as we worship in the throne room of God? Because how could this not impact him? That as they took away Jesus, sure, maybe in the beginning, like, whoa, I got off, I'm scot-free. And really, that's what we can declare today. But, but for Barabbas in that moment, just thinking, like, I got out of here, I, I, I skipped one. But then to turn around maybe, and then to look at the face of Jesus, knowing that, man, I'm guilty. He's innocent. Well, well, look what Galatians says, man. In Galatians chapter 3, we see that in Galatians chapter 3, I believe it's uh, verse 13. 
what it says there. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Just like we read over and over in this church, and I'm sure you had, you've heard many times, that He, God, made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. I am Barabbas. Because I am guilty. And yet Christ died in my place. But you know what? Again, there's no guilt there. Why? Because, man, I'm going to tell you right now, I am free. I am free. Yes, I have been Judas, and yes, I am Barabbas, but I am free. Look at John chapter 19, verse 28. John chapter 19, verse 28. Because you might say, well, how am I free? Well, and if you look at it, I think, one, from just a physical perspective, this is huge for us right now. This is huge. Because right now, many of us probably don't feel free right now at all, do we? Right now, we are surrounded, right, by the four walls of our houses. We have, not by our own choice, have been put in our houses and have been told, stay home. Now again, I'm not knocking that, right, because it's for the safety and the health and the well-being of many of, of those who are vulnerable to the things that, we're going, that are going on right now. But the other side of the human reality is we feel trapped, don't we? We don't feel very free right now. We're confined. And for the first time in our generation, my generation, um, even my dad's generation, we are confined worldwide. And we feel like in some cases, man, we're in a prison cell. Now, oh yes, for sure. There are times of great joy, and hopefully, like, like me and you, we're both realizing, like, okay, this should have been a priority. And this, this really should have, been, should have taken a backseat for a long time. But it is hard, isn't it? That we've got parameters. That we have borders that weren't there before. And so you can say, but, but how? I'm separated from friends and from family. See, we have to look beyond. We have to look to Good Friday because in Christ, we are truly, really, unbelievably free. We are free because Jesus has made it possible. And we know that this time we're in now, it's not going to last long. It's not going to be forever. But here's another dose of reality. But even if it does, and I know so many of us don't want to hear that. I'm like, no, I just want to go. I just want to be done. I just want to go back to normal. I just want to go where I want, when I want, with who I want, without telling anyone anything because I thought I was free. But even if we don't, all of it is temporary. All of it. Look what look at the promise that we have in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Check this out. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Therefore, we do not lose heart. And maybe this is a word for someone out there this afternoon. Or maybe this evening when you're watching later. Do not lose heart. Don't lose heart, friend. Don't lose heart. Here's why. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Whether we're free and we're at the beach, whether we're free or at the park, or whether we're confined to our houses and told, stay there so that no one else gets sick, 
The Bible says here, and you better believe it, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, and friends, that's what it is. It's a light affliction. Now again, I don't want to downplay someone who's actually suffering, or maybe those who have lost uh, some loved ones here recently. But, because of who we are in Christ, because as we look at the greater picture, Paul says it's a light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. It's temporary. It's all temporary. It's all momentary. It's a light affliction. It's a blimp on the life of who you are. It's a part of your story. It's a part of your kids' memories. It'll be a thing that we all look back at one day and that was, remember that time? It's all temporary. But the things that we can't physically see, when we're talking about the spiritual realm and what Jesus has done, man, it's eternal. Because of all this, because of all these things, it is made possible, right? Because, again, going back to John, and that's where hopefully you were at John 19, look what it says here. It says, Now there stood by the cross Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her home, uh, you know, to her own home, right? And after this, I, I read the wrong verse, but it's so good here anyways. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on hyssop and put it to his mouth. And here it is. Here's the big, here's the big phrase, man. Here is the explanation mark on our temporary light afflictions. He said... Right When he had gotten the wine, Jesus had received the sour wine. He said, it is finished. It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. And then we go on and we see from that point, right, the death of Jesus. But Sunday's coming. It is finished. The payment the penalty that was due against the sin of humanity, not just in my generation, not just in my dad's generation, but going back to the time of the garden. It is finished. The cross of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, having laid up there, giving up His Spirit voluntarily, when He looked around, even seeing the care of His mother, He looked and knowing that God's wrath had been poured out on Himself on our behalf, said, it is finished. It is finished. And so now we can say, I was Judas. I was Barabbas. And now I am free. It is finished because Sunday is coming. Sunday is coming but here's the reality as I get ready to close. Sunday can come for you right now by coming to Jesus. Sunday can happen for many of you right now in this moment, in your living room, in your car, as you're sitting outside watching. It can happen right now for you today by coming to Jesus right now. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. This is your moment. The lost can come home. Those that were lost can be found in Christ Jesus. Because we were all Judas, we were all Barabbas, but we have all 
been set free by the blood of Jesus. And the way for that to happen to you is to come home. Allow yourself to be found by Jesus who loves you. And so right now I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I'm just going to invite you this morning, this afternoon, this evening, to come to Jesus. And it really is simple. You can just say something like this, Dear God, forgive me. I am a sinner. I am Judas. But I want to be like Barabbas. God, knowing that I deserve death. I deserve every consequence of my sin. But because of your great love for me, I receive your gift of salvation. I receive your forgiveness, God. I know that you died for me, and I want to receive that right now. The Bible says that if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. If you said that, man, I want to celebrate you. The Bible says that in heaven, the angels rejoice over one sinner who repents and comes to Jesus. And today, if you responded, if you said that prayer, again, it can be in your own words, but you know the heart and the intent is real, and that was you, man, I want to welcome you into the kingdom of God. I want to celebrate with you. And so, just like you and me, we can do this right now. We can say, man, it is good Friday. It is good because on this Friday... I finally stopped running. I finally stopped trying to hide. I finally stopped trying to get lost and I was found by Jesus. It's not because of me and it's not because of you, but it's all because of what God has done. And so if that's you, again, you know, email us, message me, text me, direct message me on Facebook or Uh, one of these platforms that we kind of have to do it now or pick up the phone and call me if you have my number. And let me welcome you personally to the kingdom of God and let us send you a Bible. Let us help you on this journey of walking as a free man regardless of our temporal situation. We're walking as free men because of who Jesus is. So let's worship. Brian's going to lead us in a couple of songs of worship uh, and then hang tight. I just have a couple of announcements about Easter and and, and, Easter. Sunday morning, Uh, but let's worship and take this moment to respond. Some of you guys, I would just encourage you, if you're able to, take communion together as a family. Once this feed is over, just stop what you're doing and and commune. Grab your family. Don't be afraid. Dads or moms or heads of the house, grab them and celebrate together. Take communion as a family and celebrate while we're leading worship even, maybe. So let's sing to Jesus as we celebrate Him.
Six three four. 